0: Mike's on He's ready to go On the fan New York Sports Radio Mike's on Mike's on He'll get you the sports Any way that he can It's Mike Francis On the fan Sports Radio 66 And 101.9 FM
1: All right, we come to you on this June 3rd, brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, as always, brought to you by those who drink it. Good evening, everybody. We'll take you up until uh, 7 o'clock on this uh, Wednesday evening. Warm day today, you know, thunderstorms bouncing around a little bit, then it got a little nicer in the afternoon, so overall, it was a pretty decent day. Uh, You know, you got a chance to do whatever you wished, and the weather... Looks pretty nice the rest of the week. I mean, you might get an occasional thunderstorm, but you have some days in the 80s, so it is warming up. Maybe that is helping things. Maybe that is curtailing the uh, virus a little bit. We had hoped that was the case. Maybe it is the case. We just don't know yet. We have nothing to back that up with, but hopefully that is the case. A couple of things going on. Uh, I mentioned yesterday that every day that I do this, it seems I come in and there is another prominent figure passing away. Now, there's a lot of, lot of different people who have accomplished a lot in sports who are in their 80s, late 80s, mid-80s. Most men in America live now until that age. I think one out of four lives to be in their 90s. Uh, 82 is about the average now. Uh, today, it's Johnny Major's. And Johnny Majors was a incredibly prominent coach. Again, in college football, New York's not a college football town, but again, everybody knows the name Johnny Majors. Johnny Majors was a uh, single wing halfback for the great Tennessee team. Finished second to Paul Horning for the Heisman. Horning, of course, won the Heisman, which was a little controversial because he wanted it. On a losing team, the only player ever to win it on a losing team. Of course, that's Notre Dame. It's the only place you could ever win a Heisman on a losing team would be from Notre Dame. Horning was a great player, no question. Majors was a great college player. Um, But he made his mark, obviously, in coaching. Another one of these guys that I talked about the other day who you met along the way, and again... You met a lot of his assistants. Johnny Majors started at Iowa State as a head coach. Putting the rungs together on his way to the top. Went to Pitt. Recruited a running back by the name of Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett, if you go back and look, had about as good a college career as a running back could ever have. You could not do more. You could say Herschel Walker... In three years, did as much. You could mention a couple of other players. Nobody could do more than Dorsett did at Pitt. His last year there, they won the national championship. Majors, of course, gets asked to come home. Goes back to Tennessee. Leaves Pitt to Jackie Sherrill. Jackie Sherrill has great success, obviously, at Pitt. Johnny has good success at Tennessee, never great success at Tennessee. Uh, uh, Tennessee was a little up and down for him. Very tough league, obviously. Had some good teams, had some really good teams, but never had the great team. Never won that other national championship there. That happened, obviously, under a different coach. But he did leave his mark, first as a player, and then there's a guy who really did build a lot of careers. Johnny Majors had 33 assistant coaches who became head coaches either in college, major college football or the NFL. 33 assistants who coached under him went on and became head coaches. That's an outrageous um, uh, number. If I gave you Bear Bryant's number right now, it's probably close to 60. Late fi- high 50s, maybe 60. If we went back over the whole list. Uh, you know, now I, there's not that many guys that are still linked to me. Some of them are, like Bruce Arians, as an example, still linked to the Bears. The Bears' number was outrageous, but Majors' number was very impressive 33, as a matter of fact. Uh, passed away today at the age of uh, 85. So, Johnny Majors, as I said, every day in some walk of life in sports, there seems to be somebody gone this whole spring. Today, it is Johnny Majors. Um, a couple of things right here. First of all, I'll give you the bad news, then the good news. The bad news is, of course, the uh, Major League Baseball seems to not be able to get out of its own way. And we found out a couple of clarifications today. One, we found out that the uh, owners and the players are still very far apart. That the owners floated the shortened season after they rejected the, and the players' long season. 112 games, which they rejected. See, it's about the players getting paid all their money on a prorated per-game basis, uh, and it's about the owners trying to shorten the regular season to keep expenses down and still get all their playoff money, and basically not wanting to play in November. The players had their long season turned down. The owners evidently floated to the media the short season but never officially have made that offer and state now that they're not going to make that offer, although I hear that it may be their quarter-last resort. They will offer that. I gave you something I thought made sense yesterday where they would just table everything for this year and just come up with a way to get through this season and have somebody each put together a... Plan and then have the Auburn pick one, but that odds are they won't do that because that's too logical and, and too fair. They would never do that. So baseball is moving in a very uh, bad division, a bad direction right now, and getting nothing done. The NFL has pretty much stamped what they want to do. Looks like they will be uh, finishing their championship around the 12th of October. And they have done what they wanted to do. They have quieted Lillard, and they have made sure that Zion is around. Which, I really think that's to placate ESPN, which has had a stake in Zion from day... I I think ESPN has decided Zion's part of their... basically part of their company. And they are going to promote him in every possible way for the whole career. Like, from day one. And they want them in the playoffs this year. I mean, it's a little weird what they put planning. And basically what it is is teams that are fairly close get to come in. So 13 Western and 9 Eastons get to show up. And the plan is you play eight regular season games. And then if you're within four games, if you're the ninth-place team and you're within four games of the eighth-place team, there'll be an 8-9 playoff for the last spot. If the eighth-place team has locked up its spot, the final spot, by at least four games, there'll be no plan. That's the plan we're hearing now. So, uh, looks like everything in Orlando, there's still a couple of things that have to be worked out, but starting in late July, going through the 12th of October, and playing eight regular season games to get ready. And using that with the possible idea of a play-in for the eighth spot, depending on what happens, and inviting 22 teams to the proceedings—nine Eastern, 13 Western—and yes, you want to call it the—you uh, want to call it the Zion Lillard rule? Go ahead, you can do that if you want. But the NBA getting now uh, closer and closer to playing. Um, NHL already, we know what their plan is, 24 games, 24 teams. And as we said, baseball has not moved in any direction. Belmont opened today, and I, 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 I knew he would because I had seen his name on the, uh, on the PPs, on the, what we call the past performances. It was, a, it was a baby race. But there was a horse named Fauci, Obviously, we've all, although he's gone away the last couple of weeks now that he's fallen into disfav- favor with the president, but Fauci has been so much a part of our uh, last couple of months. Uh, there had been a horse named after him, and he was running today. He ran the maiden race. He got beat by four and a half lanes, and evidently a very nice horse uh, uh, that they have uh, high hopes for on the turf. He ran the dirt today, uh, finished second. Uh, Ran into a really nice Rapoli colt. Mike Rapoli's got plenty of nice colts. This was one named Prisoner. Uh, If you're wondering how that works, you can name a horse Jeter, Mantle, Focci. You can't name a horse Dr. Focci. You can't name it Anthony Focci. Dr. Focci, they might quibble about. Basically what you can't do is you can't use someone's full name without their permission. You have to get their permission in writing. If you do get their permission in writing like there was a horse named Chris Everett once. There was a horse named Bobby Mercer. Uh, If you get, if it's your full name, you have to get the person and the person is a famous person. You have to get their full, the Jack Club would ask that you bring a written permission signed by the person. But last names you can use any last name because nobody owns a last name. They only own a full name. So the Jockey Club would always allow – there was a horse named Jeter, as a matter of fact. There was a horse named Mantle. Um, I think there's been more than one named Mantle because um, every amount of years you can renew the name once a horse has been gone long enough, as long as it's not a famous horse. Um, and now there is a horse named Fauci. Who they, what happened is the people thought they had a nice horse. And they felt, here's a guy who's been in the news a lot, so, you know, it made sense. It would catch people's eyes. People like to catch people's eyes with their names. There's a lot of pandemic names, a lot of, you know, things you've heard, terms you've heard this year have become very popular. That that happens whenever there's anything going on in the country. Anything that happens in the culture will be represented in the names of the horses, because people are always looking for clever names or imaginative names. And remember, you have, to, you have to get your horse. If you ever wondered how horses are named, they go before the jockey club. The jockey club is the one that tells you, you send in an application. 18 characters. Now, I hate horses that have no space in between the words. A lot of people only name their horses one word. Claiborne Foam's always done that. Only name their horse one word. If you use multiple words, if you use spaces between the words, that counts as a character. You're allowed 18 boxes. If you use a space, that's a box. If you run out of and you jumble it all together, you're allowed to do that. But that always, I I never liked that look of that. Never have of you know whatever the long sentence is, and then you run it right together because you didn't use any breaks. But otherwise, it's like now when you go... The best thing I can give you is if you go to one of the sites you use, like Netflix or um, Amazon or Hulu or anything, and you go searching, and you have to go to the space bar and everything else, same thing with this. The space bar counts. So you get 18 characters... Nothing suggestive. If it's risque or it's insulting, uh, it will be rejected. And if you want to use a personal name, it cannot be the full name unless you have written permission. Otherwise, you can use anybody's last name. It's not illegal. And it's been done a million times. And now there's one that I'm sure they didn't even ask about, named Fauci, which I'm sure he would consider a... uh, You know, he's a sporting type. I'm sure he would consider that an honor anyway. So uh, he probably just hopes it's a decent horse. And it looks like it probably will be. But it looked today like Rapoli's prison was a little faster as he beat him by four lanes. Belmont opened today, which was nice to see. No fans, but it did open. So we had some racing back. Little by little, we're starting to move in the right direction. We'll see now that we have seen the... Indictments handed down in Minnesota for the policemen if this now quiets the unrest in the cities. We'll see if that happens in the next couple of days. A lot of people have felt that would be the case. We'll wait and see if that's the case. And I'll tell you, what you have seen this week, if you've noticed, is a lot more conversation amongst star players about social issues and even some back and forth. LeBron and Breeze going back and forth. uh, Different guys going back and forth. So even some back and forth a little bit this week with some of the social conversation. As you've seen, players far more active this time than you have in the past. Commenting, many commenting. Even coaches commenting, which we have not seen. So you're getting far more comments, really a tremendous amount of comments, throughout the gamut of sports on what has gone on here in the last couple of weeks. So that, that is obviously something that's a little different than what we've seen in the past. Um, Bernie and Mickey today on this June 3rd. For Bernie, it was 97 again. For Mickey, it was 58 again. So we went through the same year both times. For Bernie, uh, two for five with a homer and uh, four RBIs. Batten 327 had nine homers and forty-two RBIs on the season, which was a really good start for him. For Mickey, it was back to 1958. The Yankees moved to uh, 29 and 10 with a uh, 13-0 win over the White Sox. This was a in many ways a typical manual game. One for two. Three runs scored, three RBIs, three walks. Think about that. That's like a bonds game. During his great years. That's like the Mantle, perfect example. One for two. Three RBIs. Three runs scored. Three walks. He had a lot of games that looked like that. June 3rd. 1958 for Mickey, June 3rd, 1997 for Bernie. You know, all right, let's get some yeah, calls up. If you want to get involved, get aboard right now. We'll get to some calls in a couple of minutes. You know, you keep hearing, or I keep seeing these different stories about people buying the Mets. Understand this, okay? Baseball doesn't want, they're very fussy about who comes and plays at their table. Think of it as a big poker game. They don't want someone to come in. And spend a ton of money, which is why they didn't want Cuban in. Because they thought Cuban could become someone like a Steinbrenner who was going to come in and spend a fortune on free agents. They don't want that guy. They want someone who's going to play ball. They, they, they want you to spend some money, but they don't want you to be crazy and drive them crazy by spending for a ton of free agents. So they want to be limited in that regard. Number two, they want you to be able to anti up. And I know a guy who was in there once and he was in there kind of on a shoestring and somebody said to him, one of the owners said to him, hey, if you don't have the chips, you don't belong in this game. And that's how they look at it now. And the price, the value of the franchises has become so extreme. You're talking about billions of dollars. You're not talking about millions of dollars anymore. You're talking about billions of dollars And while I know people think, oh, there's a gazillion billionaires, there's not. There's not. Uh, And as I've said to you before, I do not think there is an athlete. I'm not talking about international athletes who I know nothing about soccer players or somebody like that. There might be. I don't know anything about the soccer players because they might live in a place that don't pay taxes. And I don't, you know, they could live in Monte Carlo. I have no idea. Um, But if you take the guys in major sports in America, There is not a player yet who I think is a billionaire. I don't think there is one. And I think that includes Jordan. And Jordan has had, A, he's been in ownership a while, and B, he's had an incredible run with Nike. And I don't think he's yet a billionaire. He might be the only one. And think about that. That's Michael Jordan who has had an incredible success with his sneakers and has been in ownership now for a long time. But if you're thinking about, a rod or Tom Brady or any of these guys, Derek, uh, any of them—they're not close. They're not close. So they have to go out and get a guy. And in these plans, they want—they want to be the front guy, because that's the fun part. Of owning the team is—you know—they want to be the, the player. Wants to be the front guy, but you still have to have a guy who's got the cash so that you don't have to borrow all the money for the team. So you got to have a guy there who's worth a billion dollars without going to the bank. And that's tricky. Now, are there guys? Heck yeah. You know, can you, you want to go convince an owner from another sport? Most of them don't want to be in, bo- in baseball. I'm telling you, unless Dolan changed his mind, he ne- Dolan told me he would never buy a baseball team. I asked him once, and he said to me, I never buy a baseball team. I said, why? He says, because I don't he goes, I like to watch my teams play, and I don't want to be locked in to watch my team play in the summertime. I want to do what I want to do in the summertime. I don't want to be locked in. I go to my team's games for basketball, which he does, hockey, which he does. And he said, I don't and this is what he told me. He told me this a couple of years ago. One time I was sitting around somewhere and I, I asked him about buying, you know, owning a baseball team. Now he's wanted a baseball team team for his network for a while. We know that. But he doesn't want to own a baseball team. He could afford one, but he doesn't want one. Crafts came up the other day. I would doubt very much the Crafts would get involved in baseball. I would, I would. First of all, they're not baseball people. They were football people, and they hit it big with the bats. But remember, they borrowed a bunch of money to buy the bats when they did and they've hit it big, and the franchises have exploded since then, and they've done a great job monetizing and winning, both on the field and off the field. they a very smart job with their franchise. No one can dispute that. Mr. Kraft's done a very good job in that regard. No one could dispute that. But what you need is these Wall Street types who want to put in the money, but you know, most of those guys are going to be like Tepper, or they're going to be like Steve Cohen. They're going to want to run the franchise, which you would too You know, well, if you went and got Rapoli, he's going to want to run the franchise. He's not going to be the second banana. He's going to be the lead guy. They're going to want to run the franchise. That's who they are. Those guys those guys are bosses. They, they you know, they they they've made their money. They're going to want to run the franchise. They're not going to buy it and let someone else run it. That that finding that guy is rare. You might find a silent guy who thinks it's a good investment that way and goes with it, but I doubt he'll be put in $3 billion or $2 billion under those circumstances. Now, you maybe only need him. You get a whole bunch of smaller investors. You only need him to put in. Because remember, when George owned the team, George used to keep the ownership of his team in the high 50s percentile. And then he had a lot of 4% owners. And if you used to look in the – ever look in a Yankee guide through the years? And you'd see that you had – the Lander family had 4%, and uh, Lester Crown had 3 or 4%, and uh, Klang had 3 or 4%, or, and this one had 3% or 2%. And it all added up, and then George had 58% or 59% or 61%, depending on what he had. But he never had 100%. Al Davis did the same thing. Al Davis was managing general partners, so was George. He was the lead guy. Al Davis was the same way. When Al Davis bought the Raiders, he didn't have any money. He didn't have the money to buy the franchise. He got in there. He got a stake. He got his 30%. He got in there. He ran his partners out, and then he owned the franchise. Being partners with Al was probably not a great idea, to be honest with you. It was not a good thing. But, you know, if you come in and, you know, if you're someone who comes in and buys a franchise that has a lot of money, like the Bartolos came in and bought a, you know, Davis, Al Davis was the guy who brought Mr. DeBartolo into the league. They had a ton of money. They come in, and they made a big splash as an example. So most of those guys are going to come now from Wall Street. That's where the money is. And they're going to want to make a splash. Wouldn't you? If you're going to put a billion dollars into something of your own money and then have a bunch of smaller investors around it, you're going to want to you know, be the guy. So to find, to get a player like an A-Rod to find a rich guy to be the money man, to be the anchor, and also be quiet and be behind the scenes, that's hard to find. Those guys are going to be few and far between, I would think. All right, let's get going. We'll get some calls in before we break. Kyle in Long Island. What's up, Kyle?
0: Hey, Mike. How's everything good. going? Good. What's, so what's happening? I want to ask you a quick question about horse names. So, Do you remember the New York bred horse, FNX? I just don't know how that name got through the jockey club.
1: Well, there's a couple that have gotten through through the years. As a matter of fact, there was a, a wonderful guy who was a wonderful owner. And I loved the guy. His son still is a is a, is a trainer. And, uh, uh, the man's name was Caesar Kimmel, very big executive. John, John, uh, 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 Caesar Kimmel, okay. John Kimmel is his son, okay. Caesar, I used to sit next to him at Saratoga. I loved the man, uh, great man. And he used to try to get his past the get his suggestive names and his name. He used to play games with the with with them all the time about getting names through that were plays on words and were you know you know playful stuff. Nothing really offensive. More you know little you know sexual innuendos that kind of thing. And he used to love doing it and come up with these crazy names that way. But you know, listen, they usually catch it once in a while. And thanks for the call. Guys have slipped a name past them where they didn't see it. They didn't catch the joke, you know. So, hey, could be some, you know, the jockey club is in Kentucky. Could be some lady sitting there and said, ah, you know what, this looks good. Boom, stamps it. Didn't really pay attention to it. So, you know, it happens. But most of the time, if you put something in that's, they're going to catch it. You know, if it's over a line, they're going to catch it. Or if anyone complains about it, they might pull it after the fact too. Uh, Abby in Jersey, what's up, Abby?
0: Hey, Mike, what's up? Okay, what's... you are mentioning athletes that usually aren't rich enough to buy their own sport, to buy their own franchise, and therefore they wouldn't have complete control like A Rod. But I just thought of a name. I wonder what you think of it. Tiger Woods could probably pay for his own probably twenty out of the thirty MLB teams on his own. No, he couldn't
1: not no. even close Tiger Woods' his net worth is probably Tiger Woods around is a he's he's worth about 600 billion 600 million that's not enough he, he, he wouldn't over he, a billion. no he had a, a very costly divorce very costly divorce uh, so no oh, he, that, he no, no, he's not. He's not he's not listed as being a billionaire he's not. No. And and again Tiger's borderline. He's very wealthy. Now, if he's had a very good run of investments in the last year or two and now he if he's got a billion on paper he could qualify but at last i saw he had like he, he and lebron were both in the 600 million range at <laughs> least at, at least le- 600 million is not enough uh, they want, now they want billionaires they want teams major league baseball and the uh, and especially the nfl but even major league baseball now listen if you're buying a lesser franchise and thanks right. for the call. If you're buying a franchise that isn't in the, you know, is, is, is a cheap franchise like Miami was, you didn't have to put up that much money. You didn't need a guy to be that wealthy because the franchise wasn't worth as much. But most, when you're talking about the Mets, the Mets are 2.8 billion. They're going to want somebody to have a, have a lot of money. They don't want the money all borrowed. So you're going to have to have somebody who's got a lot of bucks because you're talking about a $2.8 billion purchase. If you're talking about buying a team that costs $300 million or $400 million, of which there's only a few left, okay, if you had a team like that and the Marlins were one of them, you didn't need a guy that had that much money. But the guy he had, I think the guy's name who was his money guy was Shelton, still had a lot of money. I don't know exactly what he, what he had, but, again, that's – Going to the bargain basement anyway. Not every franchise is worth a billion dollars. If you go down the list, they would, of course, take less money. If it's if basically it has to do with what the franchise is worth and how much has to be borrowed. So you know. uh, But the the last I saw a tiger, they had the list of athletes. They had him at like six hundred and something million dollars. Remember, he did have a pretty costly divorce, and he did stop making money for a little while, or he lost some endorsements. So I don't know if he's on the track. I don't even know. I think Jordan is the richest athlete of the, not counting Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer had gotten to the point where he was, with his businesses, he was probably worth over a billion dollars. I'm sure he was. But that's, you know, he was much older, and, you know, that was much later on. And golfers, I don't know where Jack is now. I haven't seen where Jack is. Jack's probably got a pretty good amount of money, too, Nicholas. Um, Let's see. Uh, Bob and Monticello, what's up, Bob?
0: And hey Mike, how you doing? Good. What's up? You know, I wanted to ask you. I really liked the the what you were talking about the Tigers. You know, bringing the city together. And I don't know if you saw that Vic Fangio said there's no races in the NFL, and he's got he's fans.
1: already gotten a rip. Yeah, you know, I I understand what Vic meant. Me I, too. I I know exactly what he meant. He was talking about himself as a coach and the fact that I would never on my team not play a player at a position because of his race. And he wouldn't. And that was the point he was making. And he got jumped on by media guys and were like, what about that? Vic wasn't talking about the front office. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the fact that you no longer have any racism on the field in the NFL, and you don't. No one cares what position a player plays now or what color he is. In the old days, you couldn't be black and be a quarterback. You couldn't be black and be a center. You couldn't be black and be a safety. And now those days are long gone now in the NFL, long gone. And that's what he was talking about.
0: I, I agree. I mean, I've always thought, certainly post-Jackie Robinson and maybe post-Civil you know, Rights, Sports is about the only darn place where if you can do it, you're
1: in. Well, not, 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 listen, field. not totally in the front office, of course. It's taken more time. But if you're talking about on the field, absolutely. On the field. Absol- on the field, it's a meritocracy. And that's exactly the word he used, that it's a meritocracy. And it is. It doesn't matter now where you come from in baseball or any of these sports. They don't care, what, they don't care if the guy's purple as long as he can play. And that's what you the point is. Right, that's the point Fangio was making, and he got beat up because he wasn't talking about being a general manager or being in the front office or talking about a head coaching situation where everyone understands that they need to get more black assistants into the pool so they will get more black coaches. That's it. That's all it takes for it to happen. It has happened that way in the NBA. It will happen that way in the NFL. Nobody cares anymore. Owners don't care. And I'm not saying there's not an occasional owner who might have old-fashioned tendencies and might be a little old-fashioned. Like, everyone said Richardson was that way. I don't know. I never met him. I don't know if he was that way. The bottom line is uh, those guys are rare now. They just want to win. They don't care what color the guy is.
0: I want to ask a quick question off topic. Bernie Williams, I understand why you love Mickey. He's the most dynamic athlete, you know, one of them. What about Bernie Williams? Because to me, I loved him, but he was kind of not dull. But you know, I don't know. I'm curious. What about Bernie?
1: Oh, he was a. First of all, I just I thought Bernie carried himself great. I always thought he did. Remember, Bernie played 16 years in one uniform, played center field for the Yankees for a very long time. Was the winningest player in baseball over that long period of time, and was an incredibly clutch player who lifted his game always in the postseason. Always. He was a good hitter in the regular season. He was an incredibly dangerous hitter in the postseason. He wasn't a real power hitter in the regular season. He'd hit 25. He was a very big power hitter in the postseason. The guy lifted his game. He was great in a big spot, incredibly clutch, classy clutch, and played the position they're both switch hitters. They're my two favorite players of all time. They both only wore one uniform, which is very rare now. They both won a ton of games in their careers. Mickey was probably the winningest player in baseball for his years in the majors. Bernie was the winningest player in baseball for his years in the majors. And you know what? Bernie had a, and they both were incredibly, incredibly clutch. I looked up Mickey late and clutch. Go look at his numbers late and clutch. They'll knock you off. They'll, they, uh, they will just blow you away how good they are. His best numbers that he has in any category are late, uh, late and close. Are the best numbers he has in any category, which shows you a guy who was deadly. That, and, and Bernie was the same way. He was big in big spots. Thanks for the call. Alright, we'll take you right up until 7 o'clock of course. Uh, JJ at that time, as we uh, move a little deeper into the uh, month of June, you're going to wait at least another month for sports as far as, I mean, you have golf coming back? uh if you're a horse player you have at least racing at Belmont started today you have the Belmont Stakes on the 20th um, so from that standpoint uh you know it's hey it's still slim pickings for a while i mean it's you know uh and we'll wait and see uh we'll wait and see what happens with baseball which these guys It just shows you how override They understand. They're not dumb. They understand the issues and where the country is right now. I mean, they're not blind to that. But it just shows you the utter contempt and distrust they have for each other, the players and the owners, that they can't make a move because they think each move. And remember, they're pounded by agents on one side. Lawyers on the other side, okay, owners who are, you know, some of them are very, uh, you know, uh, very, very good businessmen in their own right uh, and incredibly successful. You have some guys there that are, you know, incredible businessmen. Sternberg, as an example, is an incredible businessman, okay. Um, You got guys there who are just very solid, but they know what they're going to do. They know how bad the hit is they're going to take, but they'd rather take that hit than give in to the other side. And one of the problems here is you always have in baseball is you don't have this problem in the other sports because you have the salary cap and you have the revenue shared. In baseball, you have a great disparity between the haves and the have-nots. So while the haves want to play, the have not sit there and say, hey, I'm in a small market. I got a pretty decent team, but I don't, have a, I don't have a good broadcast. I don't have a good radio deal. I don't have a good cable deal. I don't have a good local deal. I'm not making a lot of money off my local stuff. And now I got a payroll of $135 million. I'm going to lose $250,000 a week under this plan. I'm not playing And that's what they're hearing in the room. I guarantee you, teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers, they always want to play. You know, because as soon as they come back, You know, the cash register starts now. It doesn't mean they're going to make as much money as they always make. They're not going to get the gate receipts. The gate receipts in baseball, when you count secondary and tertiary revenue streams like parking and concessions and everything that goes with it, signage and go on and on and on, anything that happens when you walk into the ballpark, anything you buy when you walk into the ballpark, anything that you're confronted with when you walk into the ballpark, gate receipts in baseball are enormous. It's $4 billion a year. $4 $4 billion a year. That's a lot of their money. They are a $10 billion business. $4 billion are in gate receipts and secondary and tertiary revenue streams like parking and concessions, etc. cetera. Beers are enormous, okay? Listen, they get the beers for a quarter, sell them for $8. I mean, so, you know, maybe they pay $0.35, cents, excuse me. So but the bottom line is that's how big their their profit is. And on parking, they make a fortune and stuff like that. So... That's $4 billion they're not seeing. Even if they can squeeze something out that they didn't think of before, you know, some things they come up with, whatever it might be that year. Get the players to make a couple of other appearances midweek or get, you know, get some different uh, things that they can do, uh, the, whatever it is. Or they do more with signage inside their stadium and they get some companies that want to do that. Still not going to compensate for that kind of loss. So when you have this kind of climate and you got these owners saying hey i'm not losing money i'm not to my daughter lose money and that's why they are going to try and cut down the regular season as much as they possibly can but to play a 40 game or 50 game regular season in baseball is foolhardy it's almost it's almost it almost becomes laughable it really does uh, let's get a couple of calls in before we turn it over to jj brian in hicksville what's up brian How are you? what's happening
0: all right. Big fan since uh, 1993, I've been listening. Well, thank you. Hey, thank you, um, you know, I was, uh, you actually talked about the, uh, the wealthy athletes. I read somewhere, Roger Staubach, I
1: think is up uh, close uh, to a billion dollars. Well, he sold his... Co- Roger Staubach's the richest NFL guy of all time. He sold his real estate, yeah. commercial real estate company, for $650 million. Absolutely true. He uh, He started as a... Salesman. He just wanted to learn the business. He started while he was working, while he was co- playing, and he said to the guy, I'd like to learn the real estate business for when I retire. He built it into a business that he sold for $650 million. You're absolutely right. He is incre- uh, he's had an incredible life. He's one of the great players in the history of American sports, as far as I'm concerned, okay, yep. and probably has lived as good a life uh, as anybody could. Uh, you know, he's a hero in every way. The right. guy's been unbelievable. And yes, you, are, Chris, uh, Brian, you're dead on. Thanks for calling. You're dead on the money. He is the richest NFL player of all time. Uh, six hundred fifty million, he sold his business for. Uh, Matt, in Manhattan, what's up, Matt? Yes, yeah, you said
0: yes. Um, you were talking about uh, the consequences of there not being a baseball season. And yes, said that the contracts would just get moved up to next year, but I don't believe that's the case. I think they agreed that this year would count as service time no matter what.
1: Well, if if they have agreed to that if they don't play at all, I didn't see that. So if that's true, you, I'll, I'll take yeah. it as, at your word that day. If they if they did, most contracts get what they call told, which means nothing changes, everything freezes. Yeah. But if they're going to give them a year of service time, if they're going to give players a year of service time without ever stepping on the field this year, that's not a good thing for the owners. Well,
0: no, uh, in, that, in return for that, the players are, are getting a pool if they don't play of only 170 million. Well, they already
1: got that. They, they already got that. That was well, for like April and May. They already got that's, that's that. That's what I'm talking about. This is, okay. This is, well, if they if they if they agree if they agreed to the service time, so be it. That's fine. You might be right. I didn't know if that if that's done or not. But to me, that's not a good thing for them because that that elevates a lot of players into a different status that they don't look they want to have happen. A lot they of players. Have
0: to do something like that, though. Because what about players that were traded for one year deals for players? Um, All right,
1: listen, there's so, so many. Com- com- yes, the yeah. There's so many complications on anything they do or don't do. It is it is a nightmare. Any way you cut this, not play or put together a foolhardy fifty game season, it is a complete nightmare on so many levels that they're just they what what they're trying to do right now, and thanks for the call, is pass the worst part of it off to the other side. There's no good side here. Okay. This is this is not a positive. No one's coming out of this in a good. No one's coming out of this hole, and no one's coming out of it in a real positive. But listen, what business in America right now is operating at full bore? Maybe there's a couple amazon a couple of the internet companies obviously zoom and slack and these companies that have you know are involved in the internet maybe they're operating at full bore maybe uh a couple of the internet companies are but for the most part a lot of companies have a lot of misery especially the merchants who have you know can't get their stores opened and you know and now I've had to deal with looting on top of it. And now I have to deal with all those nightmares. I mean, I, I feel terrible for these people. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what's going on. So it's not like there's that many businesses out there that haven't impacted that. So if they already negotiated service time for that, I'll take your word that they did uh, in every state, that's not a good thing for them long term. They gave up for the two months that they that got them to agree on, which they did for April and May. That was a costly move for them, if it turns out they give everybody service time, because think about the ramifications of that. Uh, Paul and Urbano, what's up, Paul? Um,
0: I have an article from the Char- uh, Charlotte Observer about Michael Jordan, and it states that he's worth $1.9 billion. And, uh, yeah, he, might worth he might be. He might be and the hornets are
1: worth 1.3. He might be and because remember, remember Jordan is a much older and he has been an owner now for a very long time. So very th- long time. so he has gotten the ownership money. Yes, he's already made the big stake that they all want to make. He's already done it. So I agree with you. Jordan clearly could be worth a billion. I didn't know exactly what no. he was worth, but when you take Nike and his ownership of the team, he's done what they all want to do, and that is get in and make the big money as a part owner. That's where the money is.
0: Well, what it states here is in um, September that he has um, agreed to sell a large piece of the equity in the Hornets.
1: I'm sure. And And, and and what did he pay for it, does it say, originally?
0: Yes, $660 million. And, no, $180 million in 2010 in cash and debt. He put
1: in 180 and he probably didn't have to put it in in cash. And didn't he make a deal with the guy? He made a deal with the guy who was from the Black Entertainment Network, if I remember right. Uh, f- right? And he got his shares. Yes, he got Mr. Johnson's shares and that got him in. And that's what every other player is trying to do. Get in and then have. So what Jordan paid 180 million for will be worth what when he sells it? What will it, what will it be worth?
0: Well, he, it states here that Jordan isn't giving up majority equity or control over the franchise, but he's selling to two New York um, hedge fund investors. Oh, so
1: they, he's uh, so he, so he's selling part of the team, but he's keeping the fifty percent stake. He's um, keeping. Abe
0: Plotkin, have you ever heard of him? No. How about Daniel Sudheim?
1: I don't know either one of them, no, but there's a lot of rich. There's a lot of rich guys in New York. So we know that, but see, Jordan is, and thanks for the call. Jordan is the perfect example. Jordan made the money on the court, but nothing crazy. He made the money in Nike with his shoe deal. And then he did exactly what every player's trying to do now. He got in. If I remember right, his entree was Mr. Johnson from the black entertainment network who got him in. He didn't have to put in a ton of cash to get his percentage of the team, and he has watched, and he hasn't even done well on the field, on the court, and his team has gone up five times or six times probably what he paid. So now that gives Jordan, that's how you get up into the billions, is owning a team. I mean, look, at, if you buy a team and you keep it 20 or 30 years, the Wilpons bought they're t- part of the team. They bought half the team. The team cost 20 million when they had an option to buy half. When they bought the other half, they paid, I believe, 230 million for double-day's half when they bought him out. So then they had 250 million into the team or 240 million into the team, and now the franchise is worth billions. So look how much money they've made. And that's what happens. that's why everybody wants to own teams. All these players are smart. they want to own teams. If they hold them for 20 years, they 'll make a, you know five, six, seven times their money. But everyone knows that now, and the leagues know that now, and the leagues are saying, "Listen, you can't come in and you know have the banks own everything and then think you're going to get to own the percentage for 20 years when you didn't put any money in. Now they want someone to be basically worth. X number of dollars in real value on paper be worth in the NFL a billion dollars, depending on the price of the team, anywhere from 500 million to a billion dollars in real value, which means not borrowing a dime. Either have it in company, have it in real estate, have it in stock, have it in whatever, have real money. And then you get to be able to come in as an owner, but you have to have that kind of value, and not that many players do. Jordan is the example of the guy who has – first of all, he's a little older, but he also has now accumulated that incredible wealth from owning the team. And he got in, as you just said, $180 of which he only put up X number, he borrowed the rest – from Mr. Johnson, I believe, was who he made the deal with, if I remember right, from the Black Entertainment Network, Robert Johnson, a a while ago. All right, 7 o'clock. Casamigos Tequila, as always, uh, brings you the program. We thank them for that. Brought to you by those who drink it. 7 o'clock, J.J. comes up next. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix,
0: and Rhode Island Jam like you're all in the same garage.
1: Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ukul speed test intelligence data fixed median download speeds US Q3 twenty twenty-three.